what is what is an officiant's job, right? What is uh what is the responsibility of an officiant? And I know it's probably different for every officiant, but in your you know in your in your professional opinion, you've been doing this for years, right? What 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 do you think is the responsibility or the job of an officiant? Well, just just look at the word officiant. Okay, the officiant is the official person who signs off on the legal document of the marriage itself and officiates at the ceremony. In other words, conducts the ceremony itself in which the couple uh, that's in the midst of witnesses and friends and family basically says, I do. In other words, the purpose of the ceremony is this public declaration of their commitment to one another, which is now witnessed by people, signed off on a, on a, a legal document uh, to attest to this dedication of this commitment. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Wedding Workshop Podcast. I am your host, Gene, the Wedding Coach. Super excited uh, to bring you guys this episode. I have the amazing uh, Sheila Pearl with Loving Relationships, aka the Love Doctor. Um, and she does, she does a lot with weddings and that's why I wanted to get her on the phone to really talk about, you know, officiating and, you know, the system that she uses and just really to inform us, right? Because this show was about helping our couples plan a fun, entertaining, most importantly, stress-free wedding. All right. So, uh, so Sheila, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Uh, hi, Gina. So good to be with you and, and to you know, to assist couples in learning more about what the process is and in, in getting married and what, you know, what that's all about, the, the ceremony and, and, and leading up to the ceremony. So I've been uh, officiating at weddings for almost 40 years. Wow. And I began as a clergy person in uh, the Jewish religion. And that's where I began uh, to have the experience of uh, officiating at weddings. And then once I retired 16 years ago from serving any congregation as Jewish clergy, I also became a non-denominational minister so that I can officiate at non-denominational weddings as well. And I am uh, uh, a certified uh, licensed uh, officiant in uh, New York. New York City actually has specific requirements. I'm registered with New York City and I'm bona fide officiant in New York, New Jersey, uh, and uh, Connecticut, the, the tri-state area. And uh, so I officiate at uh, weddings that are either Jewish and, and interfaith or non-denominational. And now I've been doing this uh, about 37 years. Wow. So you said, you said 37 years, so you have a vast amount of experience i can imagine like if you do anything for 37 years i would say you you are an expert in the field right like <laughs> i'm an expert i could say I, i've been there done that almost any scenario you could think of i could tell you a story right yeah so 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 first question i have for you right so you know we're living in some interesting times right now we've got this whole covid uh covid pandemic going on couples are trying to navigate you know you being uh you being an officiant what, what, what advice would you have for couples um, that are trying to plan their wedding, you know, amidst this, uh, amidst this pandemic? Okay, well, let me give you the most recent example of a couple that had an August uh, wedding planned. 
and uh, up here in the uh, Hudson Valley. And uh, they have rescheduled the party, but they have kept the ceremony, uh, the schedule for the ceremony. So I'm going to be doing the ceremony. Uh, we haven't decided if we're going to be going to the parents' home, which is nearby, with a few people where we can do it uh, in person at the home or to do it by Zoom. We've talked about doing it both ways so that some people who may be far away but what may want to be present for the nuptials, as it were, would want to be. So we might, might actually do a combination. We may do it Zoom at the parents' home with like six or seven people in attendance, which is small and maintain the distance uh, rules. When we get to August, we're not quite sure what the rules will be. And we're also planning the ceremony next August, on, uh, a year later, so they, they got the venue for a year from now. And so I, I met with the couple already in person. Now I'm meeting with them virtually to plan the ceremony. And, and quite frankly, I'd be doing it virtually anyway because they're in Brooklyn and I'm in the Hudson Valley. So, you know, the distance is sometimes a, 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 a problem. So uh, we plan the ceremony. We, we have the, the conversation. And so far, the details of that are yet to be determined. I did a, uh, a couple of ceremonies recently with couples who wanted to just elope. So we did an elopement Zoom ceremony and uh, they send me the marriage license uh, after I witnessed the witnesses signing it. And then I, uh, uh, I, just got, I just got it yesterday. So now I can mail, I sign it, I sign off as the officiant and mail it to the, the registrar. So, so, so your tip would be, uh, amid this, amid this pandemic, you can still get married, right? You can still get married, uh, but it'll be virtually and you can still have your wet. You could plan the party next year, Would you right. say they're, they're also having a ceremony as well next year too. Correct. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll do the ceremony again. So, uh, so for the sake of, of people who really wanted to witness it, we will do, it, it, it'd be kind of like the, yeah, it, it, it's like, you, it's like having a funeral and then a memorial service. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. So, so that we're going to have the ceremony, then we're going to have the ceremony and the celebration. So, um, uh, and you know, there, there are variations on the theme, as I say, there are people, I mean, we could do ceremonies in a simple distance uh, kind of situation, like I say, where we're talking about doing a ceremony at the parents' home where we just have a few people uh, and, and we keep our distance and, and we could even do some Zoom from that, from that ceremony with other members of the family that want to be present, you know. So we, we can work out the technology, we work out the details while we're still observing the, the rules of distance, of distancing ourselves. So you you know what's interesting, Sheila? Like um, you know, from from interviewing my couples and talking to them about you know their weddings and and things that they're doing, I, I'm noticing that some couples are opting to still get married because they want to be married and have the celebration later, and some couples, um, I guess what's more important for them is just to do everything together, the ceremony and the reception together. Have you noticed that as well? Like some couples kind of opting to just get married rather than wait and not push their, not push the ceremony back. 
uh, uh, so I'd say it's half and half. <clears throat> uh, half. Half of the couples really, really just want to do it all at the same time, so they're going to push everything over. And others, like the one that, that uh, we're going to be doing in August, <clears throat> they're pushing the party over, and we're going to be duplicating some of the ceremony, and, and yet they want, they want to get legally married when they have planned to get legally married, and that's important to them. So uh, I would say it's it's half and half. Personal preference. Yeah, it's personal preference, and and uh, and and by the way, that's kind of my approach to to fashioning a ceremony for couples, or the way that I work with a couple. In other words, some couples come to me; they know that I'm a re relationship coach. You know, a lot of wedding officiants are not relationship coaches or family therapists. I'm all of that. So I often say I'm here for you before, during, and after the wedding. So a lot of couples come to me, and actually a lot of couples are referred to me by colleagues who say, look, this, this couple's in trouble. They plan to get married, but if they don't see someone like you soon, they may not get to the wedding because they're having so many conflicts, right? So I work with couples uh, before the wedding on their relationship itself, on communication skills. Actually, I have couples who are very proactive saying, you know, we've got a year between now and the ceremony. Would you create a communications workshop for us? Wow. So that, yeah. I mean, that's, I haven't had many over the years who have been that proactive, but those who are, they thank me later. They, they recognize the value of that. And, you know, so leading up to the ceremony, they're learning the tools of communication before they get to the wedding, which is wow. very, yeah. That's, that, that's a communication workshop. I like that. Uh, right. We're going to have, we're going to have to schedule a part two of this podcast to dive more deep into this, um, into the, into the relationship process. But I'm so glad you mentioned that, right? Because just from my experience, um, not just being married. Uh, but also someone that planned a wedding. Well, I can't even say I planned my wedding. My wife planned the wedding, right? But yes. <laughs> uh, the process, the process of planning a wedding, and I don't think a lot of people realize this until, you know, you're in the market and you're planning a wedding, like it's stressful. It puts a it lot is. of, it puts a lot of strain on, on, on your relationship financially. Weddings are expensive. They're very time-consuming. Um, uh, they're and and it's just it's just a, a lot that's involved, right? Because you're dealing with family members and friends, and emotions can be flying that's high. It. I, I would say planning a wedding is one of the top high stressors of your life because it involves f family yes. and friends and differing values and differing visions on what you want, what you've always looked forward to. So the sooner the couple contacts the wedding officiant, the wedding officiant is a great resource for the couple in, in what and, and how to plan and, and you know, setting the tone and everything. The problem is a lot of couples don't even think of the officiant till the 11th hour. <laughs> and then, oh my God, we're we're getting married. We've got the we've got the DJ. We've got the uh, caterer. We've got the catering hall. We've got all of that. We've got the flowers. We're, oh, I think we do need someone to marry us, right? So so often I get called like three three four weeks before. It's possible to do it at the last minute, but it's better for the couple if they contact the wedding officiant 
early. Now, I suggest six, six to 12 months in advance. So we have time to get to know one another. So by the time I get to the wedding, they feel like I'm family, which is, you know, a good thing for them. I like to go to the rehearsal dinner so I can meet, you know, the, the inner circle. So that by the time I get to the ceremony, which is usually the next day or the, or the next night, they have met me. So now I'm a familiar face. Now we've gotten to know each other on another level. So now I'm part of the inner circle. And it's really important. The officiant sets the tone for the whole mm. day or evening. Mm. People don't even You're think right. about it. You're right. You're right. You know, I'm so, I'm so glad you mentioned that because... You know, I, I do a lot of weddings as an entertainer and I've never, I always say that the ceremony sets the tone for the rest of the reception, but the way you just put it, the officiant is really the host of the ceremony, right? And so I've seen some amazing officiants. They come in, you can tell they have a close relationship with the couple. They're, 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 they're speaking from the heart. They're telling jokes. You could just tell that, you know, they have that rapport with the couple. Then I've seen other officiants come in, mispronounce the couple's last name. They're <laughs> rushing because they have to get to another wedding, you know, and it's like, you know, the ceremony to me, I feel like the ceremony is really the most traditional part of the wedding right and it's the first phase of the wedding right weddings are in three phases you got the ceremony you got cocktail hour you have reception and it does set the tone like you know if the ceremony is running late or if there's a lot of confusion if things don't go right during the ceremony it, it just it could just ruin the whole vibe of, of of the wedding so i'm so glad that you mentioned that and you know this is the purpose of the show i don't think a lot of couples realize how important it is, um, you know, to, to, to book your wedding officiant way in advance. So you said at least six months, correct? I'd say a minimum of six months, uh, preferably a year because of the booking issue. So you want to make sure you get the person you want, but, but, you know, really, uh, in demand efficient may not be available if you wait to the last minute, if you wait yes. to six months before most people are scheduling their vendors out, you know, uh, even a well, year months. and a half in advance, right? So I'd say in, in the bare minimum, six to 12 months in advance, right? Uh, and I think of myself as a weaver. The officiant is the weaver of the, of the day or the evening, weaving the, the energy, the, the tone, the, the, the culture, the, the emotional kind of uh, fabric of the day or evening. And, and <clears throat> so my job as the officiant is to get, a sense of who the couple is, what they, you know, what they want their ceremony to be. I don't do any two ceremonies the same. I don't do any cookie cutter ceremonies. Everyone is, is custom. It's customized. And it's, and, and it's also personal. And it's also from the heart. I speak extemporaneously. So I have a little book with my notes. I have a little book with my outline. Uh, and it has, you know, some quotes and the blessings and all that sort of thing that we, that we form together. And so I work with a couple in advance about, you know, what do they want the ceremony to be? More spiritual, less spiritual. More religious, less, less religious. And if they want something that's religious, it has to be uh in, in my integrity so i'm not a christian officiant so i do not officiate 
at Christian ceremonies. You can be Christian and I can do a ceremony for you, but I don't invoke the name of Christ or anything like that, you know. But I can do a Jewish ceremony and I can do a interfaith ceremony and I can do a non-denominational spiritual ceremony. And, and more, more and more couples are coming to me from all different faith backgrounds saying, we don't want anything religious, but we want it spiritual. So, right. so is that a trend that you're seeing people not wanting, like, what's like, what's the difference between religious and spiritual? Well, spiritual is taking into account that there is some higher being, that there's some mystery to life and, and romance and love. And that we're all spiritual beings having a human experience, recognizing mm -hmm. that love, <clears throat> love is very big and that who we're being is, is more than, you know, the here and now. It's a, so it's taking into account, you know, a, a certain spiritual, uh, I mean, I think of music, for instance, as being a spiritual experience and, and some mu music more than others. Uh, art, uh, you know, the, the whole idea of, of the spirituality and art and, and, and beauty and, and landscape and, <clears throat> and poetry and all this sort of thing. <clears throat> so I, I think of us all as being spiritual beings, regardless of what our religion might be. And so uh, people kind of resonate to that. Uh, some, you know, don't believe in God. They don't want God talked about. Others believe in God, but it's not a Christian God or a Jewish God. It's just God, right? Some people are spiritual to the extent they want me to talk about the energy of the universe and, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, so, I can... I'm sorry, Sheila. So no, the ahead, point I'm is, I, yeah, but I can, I can integrate those components as long as it's within my integrity. So, for instance, I can do uh, uh, some rituals in a wedding, like the, uh, like the binding of the hands. The, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's a Celtic uh, uh, tradition. And that has a lot of significance to people and stuff like that. Um, so there, there are many different things that, that we can bring into a ceremony, which is, you know, something that would be meaningful to the couple, and I can bring that to the table for them. Now, you, you, you made an interesting comment when you said we, we're, we're spiritual beings having a human, we're, human experience. An experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. Wow, I never, I never looked at it that way. Can you break that down a little bit? Well, okay. So I'm looking at you and you're in a particular body. It's a male body, it's, you have a certain age, you know, certain uh, size or whatever. And I'm a female body and I'm a certain age and, and a size and, and texture of skin. And all. But this is just kind of like the, the container. So when I'm looking at you, I'm seeing far more than your physical being. I'm seeing, a, uh, I'm seeing your spirit. I see your smile, I see the light in your eyes, right? So... So my take is that when, the, when, this, when this old body dies, you know, this is not going to be around forever. Who I am doesn't die because this body just contains my spirit, my, my, my essence, my, you know, the, the, uh, the, you know, so when you think of Sheila Pearl, you're not going to just be thinking of, you know, me as this physical being. You're going to be thinking of the uh, experience you had in meeting uh, one another because this is like a, a it's it's beyond the the here and the now, you know. In other words, we're we're having a conversation that's beyond the, let's say, the limitations of the physical, right? So, uh, 
So being spiritual is recognizing that there's something bigger about you and me than just the here and now and our being physical, right? So um, I do believe, for instance, that we meet everyone um, on purpose. In other words, you know, you're, you're, you're being referred to me uh, by a mutual friend was no accident that it was kind of, you know, meant to be kind of thing because there's a, there's a value in all the connections that we have. And our job Mm -hmm. is to, you know, to, to make that happen. Right. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of mysteries in the universe. That's why I say, you know, uh, uh, love is, is a spiritual mystical experience. Mm. Uh, and and so mu- so many things about love we 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 can't explain. The night my husband met me, I was coming to meet him and friends at a at a hotel for for cocktails. I walked into the lobby. He had no idea who I was. He nudges he nudges my roommate who's sitting next to him. He says, "You see that blonde who just walked in? I'm going to marry her someday." And wow. she said, oh, Aaron, you're, you're crazy. That's my roommate, Sheila. She's coming to meet us. And he said, oh, that'll make it easier. <laughs> so so, so oh, how, wow. did he know? how did he know? He had a feeling, right? How can we account for these feelings? How can we account for intuition, for just having that sense? That's our spiritual self. That's something that's bigger, right? It's beyond the confines of right here and right now. Mm. Thank you so much that for that, Sheila. That was uh, that was amazing. In part two, we're gonna have to dive into that a little bit more. Uh, so, 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 so the 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 governor of New York just um, just did an executive order uh, allowing people to get married online. Um, I have no idea what that entails. Can you can, can you dive into that a little bit? What uh, what how how can you marry? How can somebody get married online? Well. I, uh, I'm not sure the ramifications of that on, uh, onlineness. I'm not sure. All I know is that it's possible for me to marry a couple on Zoom mm-hmm. and to witness the fact that they're married and for them to send me the marriage license to sign it and I send it to the registrar, making it legal. So I, I believe before, for the law required that you physically go to your town's local yes. city to get the actual marriage license, right? Yes. So actually, actually, let's talk about that a little bit, right? So how does somebody legally get married? So the couple goes to the city clerk or the registrar near where they live, and they, they complete the marriage license application. And, and at the end of that, the registrar or the city clerk signs it, stamps it, and hands it to them so that they can, at the wedding ceremony, have two witnesses sign it and give it to the officiant to sign it and mail it. That's how it happens. Now, now where are you mailing this license to? To the registrar. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So that's the process of legally getting married. So when, when the governor says you can get married online, I guess he's saying you don't, because obviously social distancing, you don't physically have to go down to the clerk's office. It can all be done virtually. They, they can do it all virtually and they can, then they will, we, 
then they then they send it to me to sign and to send off. And 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 that's the process. Have you done any any of those yet? Yes, I've done a couple of elopements, and now I'm mm -hmm. getting ready to do the next one in August. So this wasn't in my questions, but uh, what what can you can you break down elopements? What exactly is 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 an elopement? I know it's a ridiculous no, question. Asking, okay, the only difference between an elopement and a regular wedding ceremony is the magnitude of the ceremony itself. The elopement usually takes place in my office, and they just yeah. have a couple. Of, they have a couple of witnesses, and it's simple. It's easy breezy, and you know it. it you know, it's very, it's very quick uh, because they, they want to get married. They want to have the marriage license uh, registered, and, but they don't want to have a ceremony. In other words, they don't want to have a, a wedding d big deal, right? So, for instance, my parents eloped. They went to Tijuana. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. So, you know, they made it quick. They made it easy. And they, they uh, didn't have a a party they didn't have right so the elopement is the legality of the ceremony and having someone sign off of a, on it and without the, uh, the the party so i've heard a lot of people talk about going to the justice of the peace what does that entail when you hear somebody says oh i just want to go to the justice of the peace that that's the next uh, the, I mean, you could even call that an elopement because it's that simple, right? They go to the justice of the peace, they pay a few bucks, the justice of the peace signs off, and now now it's legal. Now, does, now do, do there always have to be two people there to witness this you have marriage? To have two. Well, in most states, it's two. In New York, it's two. Okay, so two people have to be there, physically there, or yeah, online. Right. So, so for instance, I had a couple who did a, a real fast elopement and they couldn't get witnesses to come with them. So I had witnesses downstairs in the building <laughs> and had them come up <laughs> to serve <laughs> as witnesses. And it's fine. It's legal, right? So I'm just curious, why, why two people? I never, is it, is this uh, just like, I, uh, for evidence purposes? Yes. I've seen these two get married, they're married. Yeah, that's the purpose of the witnesses. Yeah. So 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 what is what is an officiant's job, right? What is uh what is the responsibility of an officiant? And I know it's probably different for every officiant, but in your, you know, in your in your professional opinion, you've been doing this for years, right? What what what, what do you think is the responsibility or the job of an officiant? Well, just, just look at the word officiant, okay? The officiant is the official person who signs off on the legal document of the marriage itself and officiates at the ceremony. In other words, conducts the ceremony itself in which the couple uh, that's in the midst of witnesses and friends and family basically says, I do. In other words, the purpose of the ceremony is this public declaration of their commitment to one another, which is now witnessed by people, signed off on a, on a, a legal document uh, to attest to this dedication and this commitment. Otherwise, you know, it, people could continue to live together. It's not legal. But this makes it legal. It's the public declaration and the signing of the documents and the, and the public witnessing 
So the officiant is the one who ties it together. In other words, wanting to make the ceremony such that they're, they're, uh, they're receiving blessings, if that's what they want, that they make a pledge or a vow to one another, if that's what they decide to do, that they make this public commitment and declaration to one another. So the ceremony takes into account these kind of, kind of fundamental elements, uh, ingredients in a ceremony, and either uh, expands on them or keeps them narrow, depending on what the couple wants in their ceremony. If they want it to be richer and fuller, we bring in people to, to uh, maybe friends and family to read poetry. Maybe members of the friends and family will play something on the flute or sing a song. You know, all these various elements. Some people don't want all of that. They just want a simple ceremony. So the efficient is there to help the couple understand what their choices are in the ceremony itself. And to, essentially, as I said, I think of myself as the weaver and to weave these different components or these ingredients into the ceremony so that they can have what they want. And many couples have no idea what they want. They've never had mm -hmm. a wedding before. They don't know. They've, they've gone to maybe one or two weddings. They have no idea what they want. They don't know what their choices are. So the efficient is there to let them know what their choices are that they can, they can recite their vows to one another, or the officiant can repeat certain words that they like to which they say, I do. Some couples are terrified to speak at all in public. All they can handle is, I do. Other couples, I do. Other couples really, really want to recite certain things to one another and make that declaration. And one of the things I have couples do when they're meeting with me and we're planning this ceremony, I have them write a love letter to one another, but send it to mm. me. To write the love letter to each other, but send it to me so that mm. I can take from the love letter certain sentiments and phrases that I weave into the ceremony mm. and give them an opportunity give them an opportunity to use some of that love letter in their declaration and their vow to one another. So that's a piece of the process that I bring to the table. It sometimes takes the couple months to be able to even find the words to express mm. to one another. So doing it at the last bit is risky, right? Mm. Some couples want to write it and then they want to kind of practice it so they don't have to read from notes. Other couples are so nervous, you know, I say, give me your notes before the ceremony. And so, you know, I'll, I'll hand them their, their note, what notes when they're ready for that part of the ceremony so they can read it. So there's all variations on the theme, right? But my job is to help them create for themselves the ceremony that they envision or begin to envision as they're planning the wedding and knowing what their choices are, they can make that ceremony totally theirs. And I'm, I'm the facilitator of that. I'm the weaver, right? Weaver. Yes. I'm the weaver. So, so, so what's the difference between an officiant and like a pastor or a reverend or a rabbi, right? So someone planning their wedding, I, I would imagine they're saying to themselves, okay, we need somebody to do this wedding, right? Do we get an officiant? Do we get a pastor? Do we get a reverend? Do we get a bishop? Do we get a rabbi? Um, and I would I would assume it's going to be based off of your religious faith, right? But yes, if you could exactly. break down really, really the difference between officiant and the rest. Okay, so the officiant is the generic. 
The officiant is whoever officiates at the ceremony. It could be a friend who, who has gone online to, be, to become a, a, a minister and, and has online uh, ordination of some kind, right? There's that. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be somebody who is a minister, a, a pastor, a priest, a rabbi. Uh, it, so it, the officiant is whoever officiates at the... So you could have somebody who's a rabbi. I'm a cantor. So by, by, by definition, I'm Jewish clergy. So cantors and rabbis are both clergy, right? So as a cantor, I'm Jewish clergy, and I am uh, ordained to officiate at ceremonies just like a rabbi right and so rabbis and ministers and pastors and priests are all by definition ordained to be able to officiate at religious wedding ceremonies a lot of people who don't want religious wedding ceremonies will look for a non-religious or a non-denominational officiant which is why I am able to do that as well. So people who want a more <coughs> religious Jewish ceremony or interfaith ceremony, Jewish and non-Jewish, sometimes it's been Jewish and Christian, sometimes it's been Jewish and something else, uh, Jewish and Muslim, right? So I, I can do that, right? But I do it as Jewish clergy. I don't do it as any other kind of clergy because I'm not any other kind of clergy. Or if a, if a couple wants non-denominational, I, I serve them as a non-religious officiant. So, so what's the requirement to to be an officiant, right? Like, uh, you need a license. You have to take classes. Do you need their certificate? What's what? What should couples be looking for? I guess is my question when when investing um, when investing in an officiant. They should look for someone who's been doing it for a while. They, they, they want to know how experienced are you and what's your background. So people know that my background is clergy and that I'm, uh, that I'm also registered as a non-denominational minister. I, I got that officiation uh, ordination online. So, so to get the ordination, which is the license to be able to do weddings or officiate weddings or to legally sign off on weddings there is a license that you have to have in order to do that it's like a certificate okay right and and, and for me because i'm also jewish clergy i have that uh credential as well and so now now this certificate is this something that is this something that you have to present to the couple or um is this something, I mean, are, are officials just saying, yes, I'm, I've got my license or certificate to do weddings. You can trust me. Or is this something that they, like, they physically have to say, here's my license, look at, or my certificate. It's my certificate. Look okay. at it. It's official. Okay. So <coughs> if a couple, uh, I, I think it's fair to say if a couple wants to see it, mm -hmm. uh, the officials should be willing to show it. I have it in my file. Actually, no one's ever asked. Partly because I've been around almost forty years. Right, so right, people, right, right, so right, people, right. So people know me. I, I'm referred, you know, uh, from uh, by colleagues, and and I have a reputation. So actually, no one's ever asked. But if they ask, absolutely, here it is. So it's not, it's not, it's not a piece of document that 
that most couples ask for, right? Like it's right. it's you you can just kind of take in the word of the person. Yes, I appreciate well, weddings. Well, it's like if they go to the pastor or the priest or the minister, are they going to ask to see a document? No. Very true. Can I can can I see a doctor degree? Where is it? Uh, <laughs> 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 or can I see your mechanic degree? Where is it? Can I see your paperwork? It doesn't make sense, right? Um. So I, I was talking to a groom. I interviewed a groom uh, like a few weeks ago, and it was interesting. He told me that uh, uh, I guess they I guess they eloped. Um, they had the ceremony at the house. So he was talking about the officiant and he said, yeah, you know, we went down to the courthouse and the courthouse gave them a list. I guess there's a list at the courthouse of people that can officiate weddings. Is that, um, is that your understanding? Have you heard of that uh, before? Oh, that's interesting. I, 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 I know that my name is on the registry for New York City. Because yeah. I had to, I had to register separately with New York City in order to officiate at any wedding within the five boroughs. So I know I'm on the registry. I don't know of any other, I don't know of any other registry. But there is a list out there because he told me like he he like I guess he spoke to three people, and they picked one. They didn't even know them, but they just wanted to get married, and so. Um, okay. I just thought that I just thought that was interesting. Um, so, well, so not, well, okay, chill, so I'm the, sorry. So the justice of the peace would be listed. Yes. And maybe, and maybe there are other people who make a point to be listed. I just have never done that. I haven't had to. I wasn't asked to. And okay. But, but I think if, I think if you're registered, I think if you're registered with the state, they just automatically put your name on this list. So when people come in. They could say, oh, you need an officiant? Fine. These are the people that are registered in New York State. Boom, go. You know? Uh, that could be. I know I'm registered in New York City, so I don't know about New York State. So I, I'll, I'll look more into that. Um, yeah, look, so, in, yeah look, look into that. Let me know. So next question. Um, can you break down premarital counseling, right? What, in, in, in your vast experience, um, what does premarital counseling consist of? And I know it could be different because all officiants probably operate differently, but in your world and what you do as the love doctor, what's, um, what's, 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 what's premarital counseling? Okay. So if, if a couple comes to me as not, and they don't come to me as clergy, they come to me because they just want me to do the ceremony. They don't want anything else. Uh, I will spend a couple of sessions with them uh, reviewing aspects of the ceremony. And in that, I will ask kind of, uh, kind of preliminary questions just to get a sense of what their relationship is like. If I sense that there's something there that I want to pay attention to for their sake, I will let them know that I offer premarital communication workshops and counseling for any challenges that they may think. In other words, when I first meet with the couple about doing a ceremony, I will ask, is there anything about your partner you want to change? <laughs> and if the answer Great is question. yes. Great and, question. Right? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, I think we need to talk because either you need to change the date of the wedding <laughs> or we need, or, or we need to set up some premarital counseling sessions, right? So, is um, 
do do you require do you require couples to do premarital sessions? I know some religions do no, and some uh, officiants do. No, I, I don't require it. If I sense that there that there's trouble, I will suggest it. But in, in, in the Catholic Church they have pre cana. And I you know, I, I'm not Catholic, I don't do that. That's not the basis on which I do this. But so I do not require it. I might see signs that I would I would recommend it. And if it's not with me, I will recommend a colleague. So so premarital counseling um, is now that that's a separate service from officiating the wedding, correct? It's a separate service, absolutely. Yeah. And what does and what does that service entail? Does it entail like you you know you're meeting with the couple once a week, once a month, discussing the issues that they may have? First, I do an assessment. I mean, if if, if they decide they want premarital counseling, then I have an initial session with them, in which I do an assessment on their relationship health. Let's just say. Okay, it's, 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 a, it's an assessment on, on the health of their relationship. Based on what I find in the assessment, I will recommend perhaps four, six, or ten sessions for starters, and I will give them a, a package uh, choice. In other words, if, if it's four sessions, it's this much. If it's ten sessions, it's this much, so that they know that there's an investment in this process of counseling and it, and it involves communication skills and, and looking at the, uh, what we call the, the bumps in the road. What's, what, you know, what, what are the speed traps here? <laughs> so, 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 so you've been in the industry, you know, close to 40 years. What are, what are the three top issues that you see couples, couples deal with on the challenges that they have? One is they're both waiting to get married to change the other one. Hmm. Can, 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 can you, what, 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 what do you mean by that? Like, what? I'm going to marry this person, and when we get married, they're automatically going to be different? No, no, I, I, the, no, the, 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 the silent thought that many people have is, once we get married, I'll work on him to change, or I'll wow. work on her to change. But they're thinking of things that they want their partner to change once they get married. Wow, first, I'm, first, first, I'm going, first, I'm going to seal the deal. Then I'm going to have as my prime objective of changing him or changing her. And that's a false paradigm, you would agree, right? Like, oh, that, my God. <laughs> that doesn't work. It, that, 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 my friend, is the beginning of the end. Wow. That's the beginning of the end. Um, the second issue is taking each other for granted. In other words, once you get married, you don't pay attention the same way. Once mm. you get married, you don't do all the things that brought you together in the first place mm. and kind of uh, uh, brought you together and, and created the bond, right? My grandfather, I love to tell this story because it's, it's true and it's deadly. My, my grandfather um, wooed uh, my grandmother for a year before they were married. And every Friday night, they would go dancing. And the first Friday night after their wedding, she got all dressed up to go dancing. And he, he's sitting in his, in his T-shirt. And she says, Ike, why, why aren't you dressed? And he said, dressed for what? 
She said, we're going dancing. He said, no, we're married now. Wow. Why do you, why do you, why do you think that, why do you think that happens? Uh, there's a funny notion people have about what happens once you get married, that everything is different. And, and, you know, now, now I've got, now I've got the catch. Now I've caught the guy. Now I've caught the woman. Now I don't have to do anything more because I, you know, I, I, I cinched the deal. Right. I mean, it's like now, now we can just sit back and, and glide. No relationships take being present. You've got to be present. You have to continue to nurture the relationship. It doesn't just glide. It doesn't just, you know, go out. So, so I would say that the first, the first issue is that you uh, are, are want to change your partner. The second problem is you go on autopilot. Mm. That's what I call gliding. Having the notion that you can just now, now I'm married, I can go on autopilot. No, you can't. You dare not go on autopilot. And and this is a trend you see in a lot of couples after the marriage, right? After the marriage, they're 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 in this autopilot mode. I got the prize, I won right. the trophy, now I can sit back and just and just glide. And glide. And glide. So you're an autopilot. And then, and then they wonder what happened to the spark? What happened to the romance? I don't have feelings anymore. I guess we're out of love. Well, hello, earth to couple. It's easy to fall in love. It's not easy to stay in love. So you have to work mm. at it. Right? And, and, uh, whoo, this is good. You know what? I would love to have a show just about, just about these trends right here. So what's the third one? What's the third one? The third one is expecting things to remain the same. Mm. You speak it to me, Sheila. You're talking to me. You're talking to me. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, so, so, so here, here's the challenge. Have you, have you heard of the book, Who, Who Moved My Cheese? I, I, I've heard of it, yes. Small, small yeah. read, not a thick book, small book. It, it's one of these little books, Who Moved My Cheese? It's written by a brilliant psychotherapist and, and a relationship expert. Who Moved My Cheese? We get very upset when our equilibrium or what we think is supposed to stay the same is, is moved around, right? So we have to be willing to accept change. Change within each other. Changes in our circumstances. Changes in the way we feel. It goes up and down, in and out, back and forth. We are not the same today as we were yesterday. So, so just to recap, right? One, and these are trends that you see that people get into after marriage. One is uh, you try to change the other person. Two, you go on Auto autopilot. You're not, you're not doing the things that you were doing before. And number three is is assuming that uh oh change the change everything's gonna remain the same wow that's uh that that's 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 if if for nothing else sheila that right there just has so much value and you know like i said um 
we could do a part two, three, and four of this show where you kind of dive into that, right? Because, you know, and just speaking from personal experience, you know, these are issues that me and my wife have. Of right? course. These are, these are I, issues. I, I, I could have told you that. I've been married two years. I could have told you that. I could have predicted. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, I tried to tell my wife all the time, I'm, uh, you know, because after, after we got married, this is like a counseling session. You're going to send me an invoice for this. <laughs> <laughs> so look, we got, we got married. She was pregnant when we got married. Okay. So she was pregnant at the wedding. So we had a baby that added stress, right? Uh, we have yeah. a home. Uh, we're both in school. Well, we were, we were both in school at the time. And it was, uh, you know, to try to take care of the household. Um, I have, a, I have, obviously I'm a professional wedding entertainer. So I got a wedding business, um, because we were having a baby, I went and I got a second job. So now you're adding the second job into the place. You're adding the baby into the place. You're adding school that we're both going into school to try to better ourselves and, and be able to provide for our families. It was extremely stressful to me for, for me. Right. And, you know, she would, she would always say like, Oh, you know, you're not present anymore. And I'm like, yeah, that's because, you know, it's not, it's not something I did intentionally. You know what I'm saying? It was of just, course, of course. it was just the fact that we had all these added stressors and uh, we're doing a lot better now, but I just wish like going and before I even say that comment, right? Like I, like, you know, she said, things are changed. They're not the same. And I try That's to explain right. to her, I'm like, yes, things are changed. Like we're, we're not the same, right? We're, we're, we're not the same that we were two years ago before we got married. And I was living in Virginia you were living in New York and we were, had a long distance relationship and I'm commuting to see you and you're commuting to see me. We got married and we had a bit. So it's not the same. And it's just, you know, I feel like it's hard for her to to accept that those things are not the same. I think it was, it was, it was me trying to figure out how to balance all these new pressures that, um, that came into, that came into our lives that, 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 that caused some major friction for us. Right. So you're giving me some ideas as we're talking about reintroducing my premarital workshops for couples generally in which Ooh, I, I like that premarital workshops. Yeah. In which I prepare them for the inevitable speed bumps. I prepare them for the inevitable, uh, what's the word I want? Um, challenges. The pitfalls and the downfalls. And, the, yeah. the, pitfalls the pitfalls and the downfall. Yeah. Because we are bound to, we are bound to face changes. We are bound to sleepwalk. We are bound to point to the other person as being the reason I'm unhappy. And if only you change, I'll be happy. Mm. I mean, those are things that we do all the time, right? So my job is to prepare a couple for owning your own choice in the other person and not pointing a finger of blame uh, uh, at the other person, but accept. And I, I just, uh, I posted, uh, you know, one of my uh, relationship tips this morning, uh, making love better and, and using radical acceptance is to, uh, mm. to accept the other person exactly as they are. 
Mm. Radical acceptance is really important. And in, and in loving relationships, if I don't accept my partner for exactly who he is, <coughs> I'm in deep trouble because the message is, I, I don't really love you. I only love what mm. I want you to be, right? Mm. I, don't, I don't love the way you are because I'm already thinking about changing you. So I'm dating a new guy, okay? He's 82. I'm 78. You think he might be a little set in his ways? <laughs> I would say. Okay. So, 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 I, I, so I, I'm a gourmet cook. I love to cook with all kinds of spices and herbs and garlic and onions. Blah, 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 right. He is happy with a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> little conflict there? Little conflict? <laughs> So I so I've learned that instead of making his fancy lunch, that he'd be happy with a ham and cheese sandwich on rye. Mm. So I have to accept that he's the mm. ham and cheese sandwich on rye kind of guy, and not try to change him. Mm. Do not bring him my special spicy meatballs. Mm. <laughs> he will not like them. <laughs> and, you know, you know, it's so it's so interesting you say that, Sheila. I'll tell you this, and this is just my this is my my personal experience, right? I don't even feel like, you know, this is this is going far beyond the weddings, right? Like getting married is the easy part, staying married is the hard part. And listen, you know, we got married, it took us uh I don't know, we had a like a 5-hour reception, right? And so now, you know, being being married for 2 years, I got to tell you, it's really the hardest thing I've ever done. It really is. It's 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 emotionally challenging, you know? And if you're not, if you're not emotionally mature enough to be able to meet the person where they are or to accept the person for who they are, not trying to change the person, being able to grow together, being able to try to understand each other on a deeper level, investing, investing in your relationship, um, and I think that's why the divorce rate is so high, you know, because we have this false expectation. Like you said, we'll get married and I'll change the person or we'll get married and, uh, you know, uh, uh, things are going to be the same, right? It's, it's this false paradigm that we have in this country where, I, I mean, you know, you shouldn't really... I mean, you're going to invest fifty, forty to fifty thousand dollars in a wedding, and how much money do you really invest in your relationship? Probably diddly squat, right? You're going to spend a year planning this wedding. You're going to spend effort and money to put on a show because that's what it is, right? Yeah. Um. But then how much of that, and, and you know, as I'm speaking, I'm actually talking to myself, right? Like how much, sure. effort, how much effort and, and, and time and money are you actually spending on, on nurturing that relationship? And that's something that I had to learn the hard way, you know, like my wife is a certain type of way and I can't change her. I have to love her for who she is, you know? That's the truth. Nobody put a gun to my head and said, Gene, you're going to marry this person. I knew who she was. I knew who she was before I married her, you know? And, 
and, and, and, you know, having this false belief that you're going to change somebody, it may not even be something that's like, up front. It may, yeah, no. it may be something that's it, in the back of your it's, mind. It's right? very much in the back of the mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, bring that workshop back. I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. It's really important. Absolutely. All right, Sheila. So listen, this was, this was amazing. I, I would definitely going to have you back on the show again. Um, you know, but before I let you go, uh, do you have, you know, any last words for, you know, all the couples that are going to be listening to this, uh, to this podcast and watching this podcast? Yes. The, the most important gift that anyone gives to one another is being fully present. Mm. Just be fully present to one another and trust that by being fully present, you're going to say the right thing and do the right thing, and and uh, and your love will grow. Without being fully present, uh, I I will say that the main reason people get divorced they stop paying attention. Mm. Wow, it's really so, <laughs> <to> pay attention. <laughs> so Sheila, I, I I would love to partner up with you with this workshop. Um, so, 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 so how do people get in touch with you if they want to, you know, if they want to book a consultation? Just call me or text me at 845-542-6057. Again, just text me or call me at 845-542-6057. And you serve the, the New York, New York City, uh, Jersey, uh, and Connecticut, correct? Well, I serve the tri-state area and beyond. Okay. I mean, you know, I've done I've done weddings in other states, and I have gotten permission to do the wedding there too. That's a process, All right. right? All right. All right. All right, Sheila, the love doctor. I appreciate you being on the show with me today. A lot of great golden nuggets, and um, you know, you'll definitely be a guest again. So once again, thank you, thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you. Um, Until next time. Until next time.